What's shaking and baking, my marketing people? Welcome to another episode of the Mind Your Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Shelton. Today's episode is brought to you by Cave Social. Cave Social is a marketing agency based out of Los Angeles that will help you create and manage your social media content. So if you're having trouble with social media, need some help growing your channels, head over to cavesocial.com, hit that contact us, and they will be able to help you out. Cool. Today, today I'm sitting with uh, Siobhan DeLay. She is the CEO at Mass Challenge. So Mass Challenge is like an accelerator program. They have a contest, which is the challenge, and with, where they give out funding. They have over 2,000 startups that it, they've actually gone and helped and advised with. So very, very cool company, and I recommend you go check them out after the show. Yeah, sit back and just you know listen to this and listen to what Siobhan's expertise that really shines through looking at how innovation is pushing pushing the world forward and how Mass Challenge is helping do that. So it was an interesting, interesting talk and I'm glad to share it with you all. All right, sit back. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Mind Your Marketing Podcast. Today, I'm sitting with the CEO of Mass Challenge, Siobhan DeLay. Siobhan, welcome to the show. Hey, Jordan. Nice to be here. Well, tell us, what is, you know, we were talking a little bit before we started recording and we're saying, you know, I said the origin story, but uh, like, you're, you know, we'll frame it like that, like a superhero today. What's the origin story for you professionally? What brought you, you know, through your journey and to where you're at now with Mass Challenge? Sure. I wasn't bitten by a spider, but I think <laughs> my origin story starts with liking to build things, liking to build brand new things. So in my professional life, I started the building of fanaticism by building new systems or getting involved in new products and, and leading new product development or new lines of business and established organizations. But probably the biggest thing I built was when I joined as part of a founding team of a company called Communispace, which started as a company using small private online communities as a way for large companies to have authentic conversations with their customers, either to gain insight, co-create products, or generally innovate. And I built that organization for much of the 2000s. We thought we were getting bought out in 2008, but during due diligence, Lehman Brothers collapsed. Wah, wah. And then actually a couple of years later, Omnicom Group, which is a uh, global advertising holding company, purchased us. They bought a company for us in the UK and London, and I started to build one larger organization under a new brand. But about that time, too, I started to lose my startup mojo my building mojo. So to get an infusion of that, I started mentoring startups through a company called Mass Challenge and also MIT Venture Mentoring Service on the side. And it was really gave me the energy in my quote unquote day job to get a little more creative, to get a little more excited and energetic about what I was doing there. So I left Communispace about five years later. And after a brief rebound relationship, I joined Mass Challenge as the chief operating officer. And a couple of years later, I became, I took the CEO position when the founder and CEO left. And what Mass Challenge is, it's a global network for innovators who are working to solve massive challenges. And it's a perfect fit because it brought together my love of building. I have builders and innovators around me every day. My love of community, a global focus, and I get to hang with entrepreneurs all day, every day. It's fantastic. Very cool. And I see on the website that uh, 
you know, over 2,458 startups have, have come through and have been able to, you know, have a positive impact on the world uh, and have gone through getting guidance from Mass Challenge. So that's uh, definitely not a small number. <laughs> yeah, we've um, been, uh, Mass Challenge has been around for about 10 years. So tw- over 2,400 startups have been supported. They're from 54 different countries. Uh, they've generated more than $3 billion in revenue and created over 150,000 jobs. So we really look at the impact of what we do, not just the fun stuff about supporting and hanging with entrepreneurs, but really focus on what outcomes are they achieving and are they growing viable businesses. And on that, for the listener who maybe is still like, okay, so what do you do? Is, does it fall into the typical definition of, you know, an accelerator program? Would that yeah. be how you classify it? Yeah, yeah. So how we help these innovators are through nine accelerators and verticals around the world. So we have a global presence. We're in three states in the U.S. We're in Mexico, Israel, and Switzerland. Uh, we have some focus on financial technology and health tech out of our Boston programs. And besides the accelerator programs, we link to, we have hundreds of uh, experts that support our entrepreneurs, either through judging for the competition or for mentorship. And we also have partnerships with uh, over 100 large corporations that will guide, do proof of concept, be uh, a possibly acquire or partner with these entrepreneurs as well. Very cool. And you have a lot of different facets to, to really consider there when you look at not only do you have to obviously manage the mass challenge team and the events and the actual competition, the, the programming, etc. But then also having this other side where I'm sure you're, you know, taking on that advisory role for some of the startups that you work with, and then also companies who've come through and have continued on afterward. Can you talk to me about what it's like to balance both, you know, managing and growing mass challenge, but then also working with the startups and really being that trusted advisor to them, helping them grow as well? Yeah, so it's challenging. But just like any high level job, you have to really remind you, you have to remind yourself what is important all the time. So I try to stay external as much as possible. I would spend all day every day with my amazing colleagues and employees, but there are other people focused on that. So I should really be out as much as possible with partners, with entrepreneurs. And really, I also have a system for people to advise the entrepreneurs. So mentors do that. When I moved from being a volunteer at Mass Challenge, mentoring to being an employee, I lost that privilege. So I actually don't give, I, once in a while I will, but I don't formally mentor any startups. I spend a lot of time with them though, because entrepreneurs are at the center of what we do. We want to make sure that all those aspects you talked about, whether it's the competition or the programming or our partners or introductions, our networks, and imagine this year, our virtual engagement are doing things to help them advance their business. So we're a nonprofit. So we have, everyone has limited resources. We have very limited resources. So everything we want, we do, we want to make sure it's absolutely focused on helping the entrepreneurs advance and grow their business. So I'm pretty relentless about getting rid of things that don't. And that's why I spend my time with 
entrepreneurs and partners and externally in the innovation community to make sure that we're on target that way. And talk to me about that, where you look at, obviously times have changed this year, right? And I think two yeah. things, you have, so there were events happening before and now the competition, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say it's virtual, <laughs> everything's moved virtual. But I, I think there's something maybe more interesting that I want to lean into is have any new innovators that really stick out or have you seen an influx of new innovation and new innovative companies that have actually come to the forefront and gotten involved with Mass Challenge because of COVID-19? Yes, it's very interesting timing this year. So right in the middle of March, where we went from denial to uh, reluctant acceptance around the world, we had already launched our applications, but we were pretty early for our U.S. programs in the process. It ended up that we, almost all of the applicants that entered their application after about mid-March had some sort of piece in their application or when they started to present to us had some sort of element of COVID uh, addressing the pandemic or addressing the current situation in there because entrepreneurs are natural problem solvers. They move fast. So they thought and some pivoted their application to help with things. So imagine digital health. That was a pretty clear cut switch or pivot, but sometimes that focus on either mental health or remote care was emphasized even more. We have companies who were focused on ed tech that really started to focus on remote learning for K through 12 almost immediately, even though they were supposed to be an in-school application and help with in-person learning. They just were able to pivot so quickly. And some of the partnerships that they created very quickly helped. The Commonwealth of Massachusetts partnered with one of our alumni buoy health in contact tracing almost immediately helping people do some diagnosis remotely through their app just to help them decide what to do early on especially remember those early days in march and april where people were really didn't know what to do didn't know if they should go to the doctor if they should call what they should do about it so yes we had entrepreneurs pivot almost immediately and how was that pivoting the internal team were you a work from home company beforehand, obviously with different locations in the mix, but how was that internally to manage as well? Was there any big hurdles to get over, you know, outside of what was happening with COVID-19, but more of like a structural challenges with how the business was running? Was there anything there that comes to mind that you really had to innovate yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So some things were easier for us versus other companies. So as you said, we're a global organization. We're already a Zoom customer. We knew how to use it. So that sort of working remotely, besides the thing that everyone dealt with, like how do people work out of their homes? Do they have the right technology? But we are, we're set up that way. So that was a little less disruptive than for most organizations. But the biggest thing for us is that innovation ecosystems often depend on density and having people together for those serendipitous connections or events drive a lot of what we do together. So we have co-working space. We have major events where we bring entrepreneurs to meet with mentors, to meet with partners, to drive their business. And it's a significant part of our model. So the biggest pieces that were disrupted besides how that heck do we run 
programs with a hundred startup companies out of in our Boston program alone. Never mind Houston and Austin and Providence, Rhode Island, Jerusalem, Mexico City, Lausanne, Switzerland. How do we even in just one location accelerate a hundred startups? So there's that, which we translated to online, but then there's our big events. We have major events for that bring in the media. So we started exploring. We have a, a physical events team and they thought they were going to get laid off within a week. Seems uh, this year they've never worked harder because they looked for different types of technology. So we didn't want to do everything on Zoom. It's not a special occasion or a special event if you're on Zoom. We ended up looking at different technologies, started using one called Hopin, where it fit us because we could, you can almost do speed dating. So we facilitated that walking around a showcase, a startup showcase, by just randomly connecting people for five minutes, and then they get next to the next person. So there were, were a lot of things we had no idea how we were going to deliver on, which we've done in different ways, experimented with, and got some really good outcomes, and then some other things kind of bombed. Which I think is, you know, par for the course where we're forced and everyone was forced to just try, hey, let's throw a lot of stuff at the wall and see what sticks, right? And we'll come out on the other end. And like you said, some of these things, you find new technology that helps facilitate a virtual event. And people are now like, yeah, I get it. I have to attend virtually. It's not like, you know, the in-person event isn't an option. So I think people are coming around to attending virtual events as well um, and engaging. And, and everybody's taking it with a grain of salt to go, okay, this is... It's not perfect, but it's what we can do. So let's make the best of it. And uh, you're seeing that really across all industries. We're seeing a lot of companies that used events as like a lead generation tool have switched doing some more virtual things, not always events. And I despise webinars personally. So I, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, if I get invited to another one, I'm like, I, I don't know. It's an interesting time. And I want to kind of put our, you know, the forward lens on here. What's next for Mass Challenge? Do you think virtual now, because before things were so, like you said, due to population density and you have all these different areas, does the advent of more virtual events open up Mass Challenge to a wider group of people? And do you think that'll be a key component moving forward? Well, uh, it definitely opens us for now to a wider group of people. So one thing that we were really vigilant or vigilant about was that anything we any sort of event we did god forbid a webinar we made it so relevant that people wanted to come so we did things right away around covid innovation what startups are doing to address covid challenges whether it's the future of work the future of travel the future of sports we got a wider audience but we got a wider speaker group as well. We had the CTO of Zoom in one of our first webinars like that. People were really interested to listen to that person. Or in October, we have Ariana Huffington. I don't know if she would have for our award ceremony. I don't know if she would have flown to Boston if we had an in-person event for that. So we have had a wider audience and a wider speaker group. How that translates into the future, I know we have learned how to support remote startups and startups who maybe don't have the opportunity to relocate to a location where our programs are and may participate 
remotely for a significant amount of that. What I like about that, it is provides access to worthy and high potential entrepreneurs who happen not to be able to relocate for a variety of reasons. But it's we still will have in-person events where some of that density will happen. What that that people can book 10 meetings in one day and go from from initial meeting to deal in these situations where we have a lot of lot of people from the innovation all different parts of the innovation economy together. I think once we're allowed to do events, like you kind of touched on it there, where it's just the power of an in-person event allows you to couple not only listening to a great keynote or presentation, but then to have meetings and have some actionable um, actionable meetings, right, right in person. But I do think the overall benefit to what you said, too, is that it gives people an avenue, right? If you're an innovator in Germany and you can't relocate to Boston, that, okay, this is an avenue for me now to to participate in a you know, an increased capacity that wasn't available previously. So I think that's going to, that's very powerful. It's powerful too, that VCs and funders also were forced to learn to do things remotely. So I spoke with some people on the West Coast, VCs on the West Coast at the beginning of April, and still they had no idea how they were going to invest because they haven't done anything but in-person in so long. And now you hear them, they're excited because they don't have to, they feel like they don't have to travel anymore. Now, I don't believe them there either, because they will face to face has a role. But they are open to remote pitches, remote conversations, you don't have to take three, three trips to Silicon Valley to secure a, f- a round of funding anymore. Yeah, that part is exciting from like a fundraising perspective from like you said, where you can bring in a speaker for a virtual keynote is very exciting. Because like you said, is Ariana Huffington going to spend, you know, three days of her calendar going to speak and come back, maybe, but it's definitely a lot easier if she's just got to come on virtually. And then also hiring and that a lot of hiring and at least the narrowing of candidates can happen virtually with a lot. Like we just hired two people this week and it was done all virtually, which is my first time hiring people without actually meeting them. But uh, it's weird, you know, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, it was so odd. But it's like, well, this is the world I'm in. So I see you on the webcam. I see that you're real. So, you know, (laughs) let's do this. But it's definitely something where you have to push through kind of that weirdness to be like, okay, this is not the forever new normal, but it's the new normal for right now. I think it has a lot of utility when you look at across all factors from fundraising to hiring to obviously, you know, intercompany communication. So that stuff is very, very exciting. Yeah, I think we got better at hiring during this because we have to be more intentional. You know how you're supposed to have a kickoff for every new hire and get aligned on who's asking what. In the pre-COVID world, we weren't great about that. One person would miss it. And since then, we've been really good, really aligned on hires. I think we have, I don't know if it's a better job market, I hope not, but we've had great new hires during this period. So I'm excited to keep that sort of discipline and those intentional communications into the new world. Yeah, me as well. I I think that's, we've noticed that like our SOPs just have to be so much better to your point. And a lot of those things where when we brought a new hire and like I can admit in my organization, it's like we probably did 80% of the onboarding the way it should be done. 
where it was like, and then we got, and then it was like, all right, now it's time to get to work, like time to go. And it is so much more important to have everything clearly outlined online and then obviously go through those procedures. So I'm right there with you. The other thing that really worked for us, where our headquarters and most of our employees are in the Boston area, but with our offices around the world, we had this HQ or Boston versus other location challenge, either in communication or lack of collaboration. And now everyone is on the same playing field. So we've had collaboration like crazy. So all of our U.S. programs actually would would deal with their whole program separately, have their own awards. We have done everything together. Person in Texas owns programming for Rhode Island. It's really cool. And we have our award ceremony that I mentioned with the speakers. It's for everyone. It's for the whole U.S. program. So we collaborate better across the world now that everyone's on the same playing field in terms of virtually from their home. That's so interesting. And and you even saying that makes me think of just so many industries and companies that have multiple offices, right? And they'll have multiple locations that in my experience, it's like natural, almost adversarial relationships between offices emerges. Obviously, in a perfect world, we don't want that. But it's just the nature of the beast sometimes. And That's an interesting thing that I haven't thought about until this point is that a lot of that stuff can actually be, you know, dismantled that adversarial component because now people are we've kind of cut the the lines no longer you know physically exist where yeah you can do the programming oh you're in boston you can do the programming for somebody in rhode island Mm -hmm. and it's not that internal competition and the internal clickiness that can happen in organizations kind of can dissipate which is that's something until this point i had never really thought about but i think a lot of companies are probably going to feel the benefit of that because we've gone in as you know in the consulting role and seen that to be a major problem um, in companies where they're not sharing information and office A is fighting with office B and it's just a mess. You can't go anywhere if you're fighting each other, that's for sure. It's been huge. It's even created uh, development opportunities for people. Someone in Texas actually is doing uh, corporate communication for us when she used to just focus on that market. And I think after this, we're going to centralize some roles. So that is something that will stick with us in terms of how we work as an organization. We're probably going to shift our structure from, you know, just program to something that's maybe all of the U.S. So I'm excited about that. Very cool. Very cool. Well, Siobhan, thank you so much for coming on today. Before I let you go, let people know where they can go find out more about Mass Challenge. Sure. So masschallenge.org. And actually, we have October 22nd, we have our U.S. awards. Uh, It'll stream live. We're going to have celebrate 200 startups participating in our program and give away $2 million in cash prizes to the top startups. So come listen to Ariana Huffington, Linda Henry of the Boston Globe, and Chris Denson of Innovation Crush. And I'll be there as well. (laughs) Awesome. And I will put those links in the show notes. So wherever you're listening to this on your podcast app, just go click that link and you can head over, check out Mass Challenge and check out the event. If you're listening to this, you know, way past October 22nd, I'm sure you can catch a replay. Siobhan, thanks again for coming on. Thanks a lot, Jordan. All righty, everybody. I'm your host, Jordan Shelton, and I will catch you all next time. Um.